Wow, what a crowd. I love it. I hope you're as engaged uh, at the end and we can still be loud. Listen to Rex together, guys. I'm excited about this. It's, it's week four of Breathe, and I said this at the first service. I think this whole series about anxiety and stress and everything that we've been walking through has been more for me than maybe anyone else in this room, which is ironic, and then I'm also closing the series out, um, because this message this morning has been so great for me, so I'm thrilled that you guys are here and that I get to be able to share it with each of you in person and anyone watching online. It really is a huge deal, and I'm not taking it lightly. So, okay, last week of Breathe. This is the last week, not last week, although that was great, too. So I don't know what Scott's saying. You should go watch his message. Um, so breathe. We are going to be in the book of Mark. I knew that I wanted to kind of jump into a story that was specifically having Jesus interact with other people. So him kind of living life, being an interaction of someone that was suffering, having trials, difficulties, pain. That was clear right off the bat that I wanted to do that. And um, I kind of landed in, I did land in Mark for a few reasons. When I was looking into researching things, I realized that Mark which is one of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four books of the Bible. And those books kind of talk about Jesus' life. So from his birth to his death and resurrection and everything in between. He goes through all of that. I learned that Mark actually records more of Jesus' miracles than any of the other Gospels. Interesting fact, I didn't know that. And then I also learned that Mark, in his own book himself, records more of Jesus' miracles than he does Jesus' teachings parables, things like that. And I think that's very purposeful. I, I think Mark is tr trying to create a clear picture in his book that Jesus is able and willing to heal, to do miracles. And side note, we, Joy and I don't like sync the songs and stuff, but it's incredible that she just sang a song about miracles. And side note, if you have kids, your kids are also learning about miracles and kids, also not synced. So I just think that's like pretty fantastic. Um, but so, yeah, so we're, we're talking about this idea that Mark's trying to portray that Jesus is able and willing to do miracles, to meet us where we are and give life transformation. So we're specifically jumping into Mark 5, verses 25 to 34. You know, pull out on your Bible. It'll be on my sc screen behind me, your phones, if you're watching online. If you don't have a Bible here this morning, we would love to give you one. Here at New Story, we firmly believe in Scripture. We believe that the Bible is living, it's active. It's going to help us in our everyday lives. So if you don't have one, stop by the black tables on your way out. We'd love to give you one. If you're watching online, put it in the chat. DM us on social media. Whatever you got to do, we will get one in your hands. So we're going to be in uh, Mark 5, verses 25 to 34 specifically. So let's go there. All right. So a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. 
Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he, Jesus, said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. I, yeah, amen. I don't even have to do anything. We could just land it right there. All right, we're done. Everybody head out. Um, but I love reading that story and countless other stories in, in the Gospels about Jesus interacting with people. Time and time again, he is hanging out with people that he shouldn't be spending time with. This woman, for prime example, lepers, tax collectors, prostitutes, even children. People that other people were like, ugh, those people are less than. Why would Jesus, who's supposed to be some great guy, be hanging out with those people? Religious leaders in the time even questioned Jesus and his disciples, why are you doing this? Earlier in Mark, and Jesus says to them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. That's pretty clear. Jesus is available and specifically interested in spending time with people with mistakes. And I think that's a good way to start our message because it's a reminder to me, who makes flaws on a daily basis, that I don't now or ever have to have my life all together before I come to Jesus. I don't have to put my life in a perfect little box, tie it with a bow, get rid of all my questions and doubts before I come to him. I can come to him in my mess, in my flaws, my questions, my doubts, and the same is true for everyone here. It doesn't matter where we're at, Jesus will take us as we are. And that's awesome. Yeah. And, and we see that here with this woman specifically. And, and there's so much that we can unpack, but for time's sake, I'm just going to point out three key things that I think are really going to help us be able to, to move forward in the midst of our suffering and our pain and our trials. And the first thing we're going to see from this woman in the story is acknowledge the pain. Acknowledge the pain. This woman had suffered for 12 agonizing years. And I don't want us to look over that lightly because 12 years is a significantly long amount of time to have anything happen in your life, let alone, like, you're, you're literally bleeding all the time. It sounds terrible. Um, this woman suffered, suffered, suffered for 12 long years. She used up all of her money to try to find solutions, never found any. She was a woman, so that automatically put her at a huge disadvantage in society at that time. And then on top of it, because she had a bleeding disorder, People would have viewed her as unclean and pushed her away, pushed her out of society so she would have been a social outcast. She is suffering. I think that's like the epitome of suffering. She, she's got it. She's got nothing working for her. But she knew in that moment that, that she acknowledged her pain, truly acknowledged it, where it pushed her to action. And I think if we're honest, <laughs> that second part is where we get stuck, right? Where we're really acknowledging pain so it pushes us to action. The action part, I think, is where we get trapped. We get paralyzed, and we, we were not ready for that. Even those of us who kind of stuff, like we're stuffers and we don't talk about our emotions and our feelings, I think we can look around at our life and say, ooh, I don't like that. Ooh, I don't like how this is going on. I wish that wasn't happening. We can do that. But to really acknowledge pain is terrifying. Right, Because it gives the pain a reality. It gives it a name that we can no longer ignore. 
we can't brush it under a rug. We can't hide it in a closet. It's there, and it's coming on strong, and it's real, it's lively, it's here for us. So acknowledging the pain, truly acknowledging the pain, takes a lot, a lot of courage. So as we jump into this next part, we're going to kind of get into some stuff, all right? You know, we're talking about trials and suffering here, so I want us to kind of clear our minds. Maybe we're already thinking about something going on in our life, and you're already like, oh my gosh, Kim, you're on point one, and this is like too much for me. Okay, well, this is then specifically for you. We're going to take a breath together. Okay, we're all going to take a breath. This series is literally called Breathe, so everybody breathe. For you delayed participators, we're going to do it again because you probably didn't do it the first time. I want us to really focus on this morning. It can be so, so easy, you know, to think this message is for my sister or my neighbor or whatever, or to be thinking about what we're going to have for lunch later. But this is, this is where we are today, and I want our minds and our hearts to be ready for what it is that Jesus has for us because I am so confident that we can walk out if you're better equipped to walk in and through our pain, and I don't want anyone to miss that. This message is for me, and I just have the privilege of being able to share it with you guys too, and I hope it's as helpful. So I was, I was in a book club, a one-on-one book club with one of my dear friends who happens to be here this morning. She knows who she is. And we were walking through, um, is it a book club when it's one-on-one? Probably not, but her and I deemed it a book club because we wanted to. And I don't read much. You can ask my story group. I'm working on it. But this person helped me read an entire book, so yay me. Um, so we're reading a, a book together, and it was about forgiveness. And there was a section in it that it was so brief. I, I feel like most people probably could have just ran right over it and not even noticed it. But it was something that stood out to me and was so impactful for me that I want to share it with you. And it's actually only two words. So, you know, it's, it's like, how did this stand out to you so much, Kim? Well, it just did. So the two words that, that really kind of stuck with me in this book were, I'm sorry. So I want to be able to, as much as this author shared that with me and it gave me life in some ways, I want to be able to do that for you. So allow me the moment to, to say to you, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the pain that you may be walking through right now that you feel like is too messy to discuss with anybody. I'm sorry for the suffering you're going through that is just too weighty and you, don't, you have no idea how you're going to move past it. I'm sorry for the ways that maybe you've reached out for help and people just kind of put you aside as being dramatic. I'm sorry for the ways that you may even have felt dismissed or silenced. Whether the pain you're experiencing was consequences of your own decision or that was something done to you that you did not deserve, ask, or, or definitely need, wherever you're at, I am sorry for the pain and the suffering that you may have maybe just walked through or you're walking through right now. I am so sorry. I'm sorry. It's, it's real. And acknowledging pain, like I said, is terrifying. You may never get the I'm sorry from the person or the situation that hurts you. So allow this morning, this message, this moment to be something for you. Maybe something that you needed just as much as I did. That someone is willing, make it me, to sit next to you and say, hey, your pain is real and it is terrible and ugly, but you are not alone in this and it is real. And I'm, I'm here to tell you that I am sorry you're walking through this. 
Acknowledging pain is difficult, it's scary, but I do believe that it is necessary in order to move forward. We see this woman um, in the situation, she's acknowledging her pain, right? And I want to kind of paint the picture of what's happening. Jesus is in a busy crowd, think pre-COVID Bills game, concerts, you know, you're shoulder to shoulder with people, there's like tons and tons of crazy people, right? Jesus is on his way to go heal a 12-year-old girl. So the crowd is moving. Everybody's heard about Jesus. They want to see what crazy cool thing he's going to do next. They want to see if maybe they'll even get to be a part of it. Who knows? I mean, they don't know. Jesus has been doing all these crazy things. They want to see it. So this woman, after exhausting all other options for 12 years, hears about Jesus and knows that he is her only option, the only option left. Really the only option she needed, but that's okay. She had to take her process. That's her thing. And now she's here with Jesus, and she's ready to, to go to him because she's acknowledged her pain. So Jesus is in this crowd surrounded by people. And remember, this woman would have had some, I think, some type of shame or embarrassment to approach him. She's a social outcast. She's a woman. She should not have, should not have been around Jesus. So it says that she came up behind him and touched his robe and was healed. So I don't, I don't, I think it's important to know in Luke, Luke also addresses this story, but he gives a minor detail that to me was super major, but again, you could have totally overlooked. Luke says in his story that the woman came up behind Jesus and touched the edge of his cloak. Again, minor, but important to how I'm visualizing this. So this woman, I don't imagine her just walking on up to Jesus, like behind him, right? And just like leaning over and touching the edge of his robe and be like, oh yeah, I'm healed, great. No, I think there would have been some shame, embarrassment, and also for someone that's like, loves to be as lazy as possible, why bother bend over if you can just touch his shoulder? It just doesn't make sense to me. Um, but it also says that Jesus turned around and didn't see her. So if she was standing there behind him, I think Jesus would have seen her. So I actually picture this in my head as this woman in humility, probably also a little shame, definitely a deep sense of desperation, I see her actually lowering herself to the ground where she's actually on her hands and knees crawling to Jesus, where she is crawling. She is stretching out her hand to know that Jesus is the only way that she is going to find healing. She is stretching out her hand to just touch the edge of his cloak and immediately she's healed. The desperation, the humility it takes for this woman to say, I need help. I feel this pain. I can't do anything about it on my own. I'm going to crawl to Jesus. And that's the next thing. That's the next thing that's going to be on the screen. Crawl to Jesus. When we acknowledge our pain and it pushes us to action, my encouragement is that our action would be to crawl to Jesus. And maybe some of you, you're like, you don't like the whole crawling analogy. I'm the person that in a message, if there's an illustration and I don't like it or whatever, <laughs> I, I'm like thrown the rest of the message. I'm like, oh, they shouldn't have used the crawling thing. They should have talked about this or used a different word or something. So for those of you who may be like me, I'll give you a few other examples because maybe you're like, ooh, crawling's weird. It's, it's dirty. It's childish. I don't like it. Okay, take an example from anyone else in scripture. There were people that yelled to get Jesus' attention. One guy climbed a tree just to see Jesus. Other people fell at his feet. Some people washed his feet with their hair. There was a group of guys that literally made a hole in a ceiling and lowered their friend on a mat just to get to Jesus. The point I'm trying to make here, if it's not crawling, the point I'm trying to make is do what you have to do to get to Jesus. Do what you have to do to get 
to Jesus. Whether you're yelling, you're crawling, you're crying, you're skydiving, it doesn't matter. Do what you have to do to get to Jesus because it's so, so, so good. Jesus is ready and available for us. And, and maybe some of you, it's not a question of how do I get to Jesus? Maybe some of you, you know, this, this whole faith thing is still kind of new to you. You're figuring it out. You have some questions. Maybe it's not how to get to Jesus. Maybe your question you're wrestling with is, is Jesus worth getting to? Is Jesus going to be able to carry the dirt that, I've, that I'm bringing with me? Is he going to accept me with the path that I've walked through? Is he going to be able to help me through X, Y, Z? He doesn't know my story. I don't know if this is going to be too much. He probably wants people to be perfect. Okay, remember at the beginning of the message how I said that's not true? It's still not true. Maybe that's what you're thinking. And let me tell you today that Jesus is worth going to. Every single time. Every single time, doesn't matter the situation, Jesus is worth it. If this woman's story doesn't express that to you, read any other story in scripture. If you don't know me personally, but my story says that, I'm sure there's tons of people in this room that can attest that Jesus is worth it every single time. So do what you have to do to get to Jesus. He is worth it. So I had a part of the story that I'm absolutely obsessed with. And I love it because Jesus is speaking directly to this woman in this moment. So, oh, it's just like literally so great. I love it so much. So as Jesus, you know, he, he realizes that healing power had left him. So he turns around and he doesn't see the woman, right? Again, I think because she was crawling, you could say that like people were around her or even above her. So he couldn't see her. But in saying that, Jesus is Jesus, and I firmly believe that Jesus knew exactly who touched him, exactly who was healed, and exactly where she was in the crowd. I don't think there was a second that he was like, I really don't know. Um, I think he knew. But he didn't call her forward. He didn't name her. He didn't embarrass her. He didn't twist her arm and say, you have to come forward. No, he didn't do any of that. In this moment, he, not only did he heal her, but he gave this woman a choice. He gave her the choice to say, hey, if you, if you want to, I'm here. You can come face to face with your healer. And that is, that's a special moment. That's a special connection that I, I, I don't think we can look lightly on. Because just like with this woman, it's the same for us, right? Jesus isn't going to twist our arm, isn't going to force things on us or, or, or make us do something that we don't want to do to love him. But he's, he is more than willing. He's there and he's, he's ready. He's ready to embrace us when we choose to say yes to God, when we choose to say yes to Jesus. And so um, we see in this moment that this, this woman... She, she's coming to Jesus. She has this faith. She does decide to come to him. She lays at his feet, tells him everything. And Jesus says this to her. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. And I want to stop specifically on that first word, daughter. Daughter. This woman had been a social outcast for 12 years, right? She had suffered. She lost everything. And in that moment, she is at the feet of Jesus. I, I, I see Jesus like leaning over just to be so personal with her. 
and he calls her his daughter. Again, he's giving her something. What is he giving her? He is giving her connection. He's giving her relationship. Something that she had not had for 12 years. And in one word, daughter, in the first word, Jesus calls her daughter. I think that is significant because Jesus is all about relationships. He wants a relationship with you as he wanted with this woman, as he wants with me. And that is personal. He calls all of us daughter, son. He looks at her and says, daughter. That is so, ugh, that father-daughter connection. And if you don't have that good connection with your dad, it's, it's not necessarily like an earthly connection, but it's that relationship that is unlike any other. And, and Jesus goes on to say, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. There's a command there. There's a command in this personal relational moment that he has, that he shares with her. He says, go, go, get up, take a step. That's our next point. Take a step. As we acknowledge the pain and really acknowledge it, it pushes us to action, ideally to crawl to Jesus, and then Jesus looks at us, gives us a relationship, and tells us, take a step. Go, get up. I have healed you. There is new life ahead for you. You didn't have a thing. You didn't have connection. You had pain. You had probably debt, all this stuff. And Jesus says, no, today is a new day for you. And I am giving you life. I am giving you freedom. I am giving you hope. I am giving you a new story that starts today. And today can be the day that you also get your new story. It's, it's incredible. The, the intentionality that Jesus has with us, with this woman, cannot be overlooked. It just can't. We, we need to be able to take the courage and to do what we need to do to take a step into what Jesus has for us. All of this is hard. Again, I'm not saying it's easy. But man, the reward, the life change that is on the other side of this is incredible. I want us to remember today that when we act, Jesus responds. When we act, Jesus responds. So when we acknowledge our pain, when we crawl to Jesus, and we take a step, Jesus responds. When we act, Jesus responds. Let me be very clear what I am not saying. I am not saying that Jesus is dependent upon us in order to do healings, miracles, do anything. Jesus is Jesus. He is able to do whatever he wants, whenever he wants to do it. What I am saying is that Jesus gives us choice. He gives us the opportunity, the privilege to come face to face with him, to grow our faith, and see him do extraordinary things in, through, and around us on a daily basis. That is the God that we serve. That is who he is. So the last year and a half have been the absolute best moments of my entire life. Like literally highest of high moments and it's all honestly because of me, sorry. <laughs> this place is amazing. It's so surreal to see something that Scott and I have prayed for and dreamed about and talked about for years come into reality. And then to be on the stage giving a message is, is literally surreal. I, I didn't know what I thought it was going to be like, but this is better than what I thought it was going to be like, and that's awesome. Um, and in, in the same breath, the last year and a half 
have also been the most difficult, draining, exhausting, and hurtful year and a half of my entire life. And that is not at all related to news story. Very important to note that. News story is fantastic. Um, but there was something that happened in our family that caused real pain, real hurt that I didn't know that I could like hurt so much and for such a long period of time. Um, I, I didn't at the time have a nice acronym like ACT, <laughs> you know, like let's walk through this together with the ACT acronym. I didn't have that. But while I was putting this message together, I was able to kind of reflect on this past year and a half and see how this acronym, in a sense, played out in my own personal life. And if we're talking about the specifically the acknowledgement part, when I was first told about what had happened, um, I didn't want to acknowledge the pain. I didn't want to give it a name. I didn't want to admit that this was really happening. I just wanted to pretend that this wasn't real, it didn't happen, and reevaluate what trust looked like. I was going to have to come to terms with places that I felt were safe, were no longer safe. That people I had interactions with, that everything was going to be different after this point. And I had to acknowledge that. It's, it's been a year and a half, so yes, I have acknowledged that point, but it, it took some time. And it was messy and dirty and absolutely terrible. And I know that many of you are in similar situations where you just wish you could crawl back under a hole and like as if this just never happened. But again, that doesn't help us. So, so as, as I started to acknowledge this, I, I definitely, you know, led to, crawled to Jesus in a really pathetic way just because I, I had nothing. I had no answers. I had nothing but, honestly, anger, frustration, extreme hurt, maybe betrayal. And, and maybe this sounds dramatic to you, but this is, this is my experience, my story. And again, I'm not saying that I have the hardest life up here. I'm not. My life's pretty great. I have a fabulous husband, and if nothing else, that's fantastic. Um, but as I'm calling to Jesus, I oftentimes just like felt like I was laying in front of Jesus like a fish out of water, like, I don't know what's going on. This is terrible. <laughs> and and I, I had nothing. I just kept going back to Jesus and, and kind of in this one spot just say one thing. I, why? Why do these people... Why did they have to hurt my family? Why are they not doing X, Y, Z? Why are these people totally dismissing things? Why is this happening? Why does it have to be me? And in my selfish moments, it wasn't even about my family anymore. It was, why doesn't anyone care that I'm falling apart? But in those moments, as I laid in front of Jesus with literally no answers, and by the way, maybe this is discouraging, but it should be encouraging, I still don't have all the answers. But as I lay in front of Jesus on a daily basis and, and sometimes ask why, sometimes in anger, frustration, sometimes in praise, joy, all, all of the feels, right? He, he looks at me and he says to me, daughter, daughter, just like this woman who had suffered for 12 years. He looked at her and said, daughter, with connection. He looks at me in my hurt, in my trials, in the things that I absolutely hate. And he says to me, daughter, daughter, go, get up, take a step. There is life ahead for me. There is life ahead for her. There is life ahead for you. Whatever it is you're walking through, whatever stage that you're walking through it, 
Jesus wants to join you in the journey that you're in, no, regardless of how dark it may feel, and journey you right on out of there. And every day, even when you feel like, I want to crawl away from Jesus and check out these other options, and they fail you, and they always fail, and I did it. I went to other things and thought, maybe if I try this, maybe if I do that, maybe. No, they're not worth it. When we crawl to Jesus, who is worth it, every single time he will say, daughter, son, I am here for you, I am going to walk you through this, and I'm going to equip you with what you need. The same value and future that's offered to this woman is offered to us. And there's a different version that puts the end of the scripture really beautifully. It says, Jesus said to the woman, daughter, you took a risk of faith. And now you're healed and whole. Live well, live blessed, be healed of your plague. Are we ready in this room today to take a risk of faith? Do we want to live blessed, live well, live whole, live healed? Because good news, guys, gals, people online, that is an option today. We can live blessed. We can live well. We can live healed and whole because of what Jesus has done for us. And I, I can't get over that. I can't get over that. When we act, Jesus responds. When we acknowledge the pain, when we crawl to Jesus, when we take a step, Jesus responds. Jesus responds. Let's pray this morning. God, you are good. You are incredible. We are all in some way walking through something that we probably wish wasn't happening. I pray that this message, that you would work in our hearts, Lord, so that we can be better equipped for what you have ahead. That we can acknowledge the pain. Give us courage to do that. Give us determination to crawl to you. And give us the strength to take a step forward into the new story that you have for us. And if there's anyone in this room that, that you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that this is all foreign, but, but maybe you're sitting there thinking, Man, Kim, I need this. I, I have some things going on. I want to know that I can come to Jesus. I want to know that Jesus is going to call me daughter. Jesus is going to call me son. That is available for you every day. And why wait another day? Make today that day for you. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus, there's no fancy words to do this, but it, it's something that I would hate to get off the stage and not give you the opportunity. Just say it in your heart. It doesn't have to be out loud. If this message is for you and you just want to know Jesus personally, let him know in your heart. Again, you don't have to say it out loud. Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. I give it all to you. And if, if you prayed that, I would love to have a personal conversation with you, whether you meet me at the stage after the service or or up at, uh, in the foyer at the black tables. If you're online, go to newstory.com. Please get the involved tab. We would love to give you a call this week. This is the greatest decision you will ever, ever make. I don't know how I would have got through the last year and a half if I did not have Jesus in my life. Honestly, the past 28 years, but specifically the last year and a half. And for those of us in here who do have a relationship with Jesus, 
and we're really kind of wrestling through this. Maybe we're walking through something difficult, or we know someone who is. I would, I would ask us to really reflect in our hearts, what is it, where are we at? What is it that's, you know, hurting us? Do we need to acknowledge the pain and be honest with ourselves? Do we need to crawl to Jesus? Do we need to take a step because Jesus is offering us new life, but we keep looking for other options? Where are we at? Don't leave this morning without really acknowledging where you're at and, and knowing, hey, this is what I'm going to do this week to be closer to Jesus, to, to come to him, to walk through my pain. Don't do it alone. Talk to somebody. Join a story group. My story group has been literally the best thing ever in the midst of this craziness, so do that. But wherever you're at this morning, I, I pray, Lord, that you would just fill us, fill us with your goodness. Help us to see you in all of your glory, that our hearts would be moved, that we could respond to you in a way that we've never responded before. You are so good, Lord. We love you. We love you. We love you. Thank you for helping us in our pain and for helping walk us out of it and giving us a new story. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you give her a hand?